hello and welcome to Catechesis, a teaching series aimed to instruct in foundational Christian doctrine and to encourage piety amongst the people of God. For those who don't know me, my name is Joe Anity. I serve as pastor at Emmaus Reformed Baptist Church in Hemet, California. I'm glad that you've decided to listen in today. In this lesson, we will be considering question six of the Baptist Catechism, which asks, What things are chiefly contained in the Holy Scriptures? And the answer given is that the Holy Scriptures chiefly contain what man ought to believe concerning God and what duty God requireth of man. Baptist Catechism 6 is important in two ways. Uh, First of all, and most significantly, it is important because it is a true statement. Uh, The Holy Scriptures do mainly teach us about who God is and what God requires of us. And secondly, this question and answer is important because it signals the broad organizational structure of the rest of the Catechism. As we will see, the Catechism will elaborate upon the first thing mentioned in question 6, namely, what man ought to believe concerning God, in questions 7 through 43. And beginning with question 44, the Catechism will turn its attention to the question, what is the duty which God requireth of man? And so let us now consider the question and answer itself, and as we do, I will also talk briefly about how the rest of the Catechism will develop these important themes that are introduced here. Again, question six of the Catechism asks, what things are chiefly contained in the Holy Scriptures? The answer, and perhaps the little ones can repeat after me here, the Holy Scriptures chiefly contain what man ought to believe concerning God, and what duty God requireth of man. The first three words of this answer are the Holy Scriptures. And as we say these words, we are to remember what we learned about the Holy Scriptures in the previous three questions. In question three, we learned that although we might learn certain things about God through our observation of the natural world, God reveals himself much more fully and specifically through his word. In question four, we learn that the word of God is found in the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, and that these scriptures are the only certain rule of faith and obedience. By way of review, I think it would be good for me to ask how many testaments are contained within the Bible. And the answer is two, the Old and the New And what historical event distinguishes between the Old and New Testaments? The answer is that the birth of Jesus of Nazareth, who is the Christ or the Messiah, the Savior who was promised after man's fall into sin, that is the historical event that distinguishes or separates the Old and New Testaments. How many individual books or letters are contained within the Holy Scriptures? The answer is 66 And how many books are in the Old Testament? The correct answer is 39. And how many books are in the New Testament? Uh, The answer to that is 27. I could go on with more review questions, but I think this is enough for now. To learn more about the Holy Scriptures, I would encourage you to go back and listen to Lesson 4 in this series, and also to read Chapter 1 of our Confession of Faith. But the question being asked here is, what things are chiefly contained in the Holy Scriptures? In other words, what are the Holy Scriptures mainly about? 
This is a very good question. If you have ever read the Bible, you know that the scriptures have a lot to say about a lot of different things. As you know, the books of the Bible were written by many different authors over a very long period of time. And it is important to recognize that the Bible contains many different kinds of books. Some books are historical, others are poetic, and some are prophetic, etc. All of that variety is very beautiful, but it can also make it difficult to see what the Bible is chiefly or mainly about. I think the answer that is provided by our catechism is very helpful. Let us say it together now. The Holy Scriptures chiefly contain what man ought to believe concerning God and what duty God requireth of man. In other words, the Bible mainly tells us about who God is and what he has done, and it also tells us about how it is that we should live before him. I actually think there is another way to summarize the overall message of the Bible. I am not saying that it is a better way than the approach taken by our catechism, but it is another way. The answer given in our catechism recognizes that the Bible is a theological book and that it is also a moral book. From beginning to end, it reveals what we are to believe about God. It is theological. And it also tells us about how we are to live. It is moral. But it should also be recognized that the Bible tells a story. When we step back from the two testaments and the 66 individual books of the Bible and consider them in their entirety, we see that the scriptures tell a story, namely the story of our redemption in Christ Jesus. Put differently, the scriptures tell the story of the establishment of the kingdom of God. And put yet another way, the scriptures tell the story of the completion of the covenant of redemption through the shed blood of Christ. Therefore, I want you to see that the scriptures may be considered theologically, morally, and also redemptive historically. All three approaches are valid. Our catechism is structured using theological and moral categories, but it does not fail to teach us about the history of redemption along the way. In other words, it still manages to tell us the story of our salvation in Christ Jesus. This story is told in questions 12 through 31 of our catechism. It is there that we will learn about the important historical events in the history of redemption. There we hear about God's actions in history, the creation, man's fall into sin, God's decree to save men and women from their sin, his provision of a Redeemer, Jesus Christ our Lord, our prophet, priest, and king, in his humiliation and in his exaltation. So though it be true that our catechism is structured theologically, summarizing for us what the scriptures say concerning God, and also morally, summarizing for us what the scriptures say concerning our duty before God, it also manages to tell us the story of the history of our redemption in Christ Jesus. It really is great to notice this. I've said many times to our congregation in general and to our parents in particular, the gospel is here in this catechism. The good news that salvation has been accomplished by Jesus the Christ and is available to sinners such as you and me through faith in him is beautifully presented in this little document. Parents would be wise to use this catechism to preach the gospel to their children, therefore. What things are chiefly contained in the Holy Scriptures? Well, first of all, the Scriptures teach us what man ought to believe concerning God. 
I suppose that we could try to figure out what to believe concerning God by observing the created world around us. We could look at the sun, moon, and stars, the mountains and valleys, oceans, rivers, and streams. We could study plants, animals, and even man as male and female, body and soul, with all of our capabilities and faculties of soul. But even if we were the most excellent of philosophers and scientists, this book of nature, as it has been called, would only take us so far in our understanding of God. We might come to the conclusion that God exists, that he is powerful, wise, and benevolent. We might suspect that he is eternal. We might reason that in God there is unity and diversity, as we observe the unity and diversity in the created world. But never will the book of nature reveal God as clearly and specifically as he has revealed himself in the scriptures. The book of nature and the book of scripture will always agree, but it is in the Bible that we find God's special and specific revelation of himself to man. What is God like? What are his plans and purposes? What has he done in creation? What is his relationship to the world that he created? What is his relation to us now that we are fallen into sin? What work has God done to accomplish our salvation? What work is God doing to apply the redemption that Christ has earned to his people? These are some of the questions that the scriptures answer concerning God, and these are the questions that our catechism will answer in questions 7 through 43. I will not take the time to read questions 7 through 43 to you now, but perhaps it would be good for you to read through them all at once. Maybe this would be a good exercise for the next Lord's Day evening. Whenever you read an important book, it is good to, one, look carefully at the table of contents, two, glance over the major headings in each chapter, and three, read the book through quickly to get the gist of what it is saying before moving through it again more slowly. And if you want to understand what this catechism is teaching, I would recommend that you do the same. Read through the whole thing in one sitting, or if you must, break it into two parts, questions 1 through 43, and then questions 44 through 114. So what things are chiefly contained in the Holy Scriptures? The Scriptures teach us what man ought to believe concerning God, and secondly, they teach us what duty God requireth of man. In other words, the Scriptures teach us how we are to live so that we might love God and glorify his name. Questions 44 through 114 address the topic of the duty that God requires of man. Notice that question 44 directly asks, what is the duty which God requireth of man? The answer there is that the duty which God requireth of man is obedience to his revealed will. Question 45 then asks, what did God at first reveal to man for the rule of his obedience? In other words, what rule was Adam given? And the answer there is that the rule which God at first revealed to man for his obedience was the moral law. And then question 46 asks, where is the moral law summarily comprehended? In other words, where is this moral law, which was written on man's heart in the beginning, see Romans 2, summarized? Where was it summarized? And the answer is that the moral law is summarily comprehended in the Ten Commandments. Questions 47 through 86 provide a wonderful overview of the Ten Commandments. It's a very helpful section in our catechism, a wonderful exposition of the 
Ten Commandments. And then after the Ten Commandments are explained, we find this wonderful question in question 86. Is any man able perfectly to keep the commandments of God? And the answer is very important. No mere man, since the fall, is able in this life perfectly to keep the commandments of God, but daily break them in thought, word, or deed. The Catechism then explains that all sin deserves death, and then the Gospel is presented in questions 90 through 92. Questions 93 through 104 teach us a lot about living the Christian life. You can look at those for yourself. And then questions 105 through 114 teach us how to pray using that prayer which is commonly called the Lord's Prayer. I do hope that you are beginning to recognize just how practical this catechism is. Not only does this catechism teach sound doctrine, not only does it teach us what we are to believe concerning God and what we are to believe concerning ourselves, and of course all doctrine is at its core practical. It changes us when we believe what the Word of God says. But the Catechism is explicitly practical. It teaches us how we are to live before God. It teaches us how we are to live the Christian life, how we are to pray. It is really a beautiful document, brothers and sisters. The entire Catechism seeks to give an overview and summary of the main message of the Bible. It seeks to teach us about the things chiefly contained within the Scriptures, namely, what man ought to believe concerning God, and what duty God requireth of man. Thank you for listening, friends. I pray that this teaching has blessed you, and until next time, abide in Christ.